0: Let us pray. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Amen. That prayer that we just prayed together is a prayer based on the first verse of our epistle lesson for today, Romans 15, 4, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, grant that that through them, I'm going to start doing the prayer again, that through them we might have the patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope, we might have hope. It's a prayer about hope, it's a Bible verse about hope. Advent, the season of the church year that we're in right now, is about hope. Advent's about coming, Jesus coming. First, his coming to us at Christmas time that we're preparing for. Second, his coming to us now in word and sacrament. And third, his coming to us finally at the end of the age when he comes back to judge the living and the dead. But all of that, when Jesus comes to us in all three of those ways, it is to drive us to hope. Blue is the color of hope. That's why advent is the color blue it's to drive us to hope. When Jesus is born, takes on human flesh we have hope that humanity might be redeemed by God. When Jesus comes to us in his word and in his sacrament, especially as we'll talk about today, in his word he gives us hope. And when we look to the final coming of Christ, we have hope that we will be saved. And so this is what Paul talks about in Romans 15, 4, and what Thomas Cranmer, the guy who wrote that prayer that we prayed in the Book of Common Prayer about 500 years ago or something like that. This is what they write about whenever they write about hope, that the Scriptures bring us hope. And this lesson from today, from Romans 15, Paul describes what I would call a process of what happens when you read the scriptures, when you learn the scriptures, when you digest the scriptures and mark them. It's this process where the end goal, as we'll get there eventually, is this hope of everlasting life. But how do we have this hope? Hope arises from the scriptures. How? First of all, I want to make this point that hope arises out of the scriptures because it is through the scriptures. Paul makes this argument. It is through the scriptures that we can see that Jesus is faithful, that Jesus does what he says he's going to do. And because of that, we can have hope. When we get to to the scriptures, we see that Jesus does what he says he's going to do. I always make this point whenever I'm talking about faith. What is faith? Faith that leads to hope, especially. Faith is trust. That's what faith is. It's trust in Jesus. Well, how do you trust someone? How do you come to trust someone? What causes faith? What causes trust or what causes faith is when someone brings faith or trust out of you. Trust is something that's always elicited. Think about how you think about your mechanic. right? You don't trust the mechanic you've never been to before because mechanics have a reputation of overcharging and you don't really know what they're looking at when they take your car into the garage and you're sitting there in the waiting room hoping that they're going to charge you a fair price and that they're actually going to fix the problem that you're paying them to fix. If you're like me and you decide to take a gamble on some cheaper tire installation and then you leave the place and you start hearing this bumping noise in your tire and then you realize they didn't even tighten down the lug nuts, maybe it's not a mechanic you should trust. True story. <laughs> Happened last week. Not a mechanic that you should trust, right? But whenever you've gone to a mechanic for 10 years and he's never ripped you off and he's always fixed the problem and it's a fair price and he know you can tell he knows what he's doing and he loves mechanic then you trust him. You trust that guy. Because he has shown himself trustworthy. Well, this is exactly what happens in the Scriptures. In the Scriptures, we find out all about Jesus, and the main thing we find out about him, or one of the main things we find out about him, is that he is trustworthy. That he is faithful, and therefore we can have faith in him. This is what Paul is talking about when he's talking about why Jesus came to the Israelites and from the Israelites, and how that relates to the rest of the world, or as he says over and over again here, the Gentiles or the other nations. God did not choose Israel because they were better than all the other nations somehow. In fact, you often find out in the scriptures just how kind of messed up the Israelites were and how prone they were to leaving God and wandering from the faith. But he chose them, this is what Paul says, Jesus Christ became a servant to those of the circumcision, that's those of the old covenant, the Israelites, the children of Abraham, for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, to the patriarchs. And then that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. He says the reason that God chose Abraham and chose this nation and chose these patriarchs and made all these promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah and David. The reason that Jesus came from that place and that God chose those people and made those promises is so that when the Messiah comes, everyone can see, both Jew and Gentile, everyone can see that Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. Go back and read all of the Old Testament. You probably don't have time to do that this week, but go back and start reading some of the Old Testament, and you'll see over and over and over and over again, there are promises and promises and promises made about the Messiah, made about Jesus. The whole Old Testament is all about the coming of Jesus, what he's going to be like, where he's going to come from, what he's going to restore. It's all about Jesus. And when he comes, for those who are paying attention, it is abundantly clear that this is the guy and that he's doing exactly as he said. And he continues to do so today. He makes promises and he keeps his promises. That's who Jesus is. And so this Advent as we look in hope and we look through the scriptures, we're doing this on Wednesday or Thursday nights, excuse me, Thursday nights in the book of Habakkuk. We're looking back into the scriptures and we're looking for Jesus and we're seeing how God does what he says he's going to do. And that produces in us a faithfulness, a faithfulness that can trust in the hope that he gives us. But let's get back to Again, more deeper how Paul describes this process in Romans 15 of how the scriptures come about producing this hope. So having faith in the scriptures, having faith in Jesus, he says this. Whatever was written was written for our learning. that through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. So first, the scriptures, they teach us. They're written for our learning. And so we can learn lots of things from the scriptures, and we should learn lots of things from the scriptures. Maybe the first thing we can think about learning is the word that means teachings. That's our doctrine, our set of beliefs. What do we believe about God based on the word? We can learn about who God is, how he reveals himself in the doctrine of the Trinity, and how he wants to bring us into that relationship, how he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and how as Father he adopts us, and wants to give us the inheritance of his Son and how he gives us his spirit, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. and we can learn about things like the two natures in Christ and why it's important for our salvation that God is born in human flesh so that human flesh, that humanity might be reborn of God. Or we can look in the Bible and we can learn how we are saved by grace alone, not by anything that we could produce in ourselves but that the Holy Spirit preaches the word to us and creates faith in our hearts and that faith trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus for our salvation. And we can learn not just about God and how he works. We can also learn about ourselves. We can learn God's will for our lives. We can hear his law. And sometimes that law rebukes us. Sometimes that law teaches us where we have been prideful. Where we've put our money and time for ourselves rather than for God first. Where we've been too busy scrolling on our phones or watching TV to set set aside time to read our Bibles. But that law also can guide us. It can correct us and train us in righteousness. Think about the Psalms that we're reading every week now, how the Psalms give us a model for prayer, how they teach us to pray. Or Jesus' sermons, whenever he's preaching in Galilee, Sermon on the Mount, for instance, when he gives us ethics for daily life, how to love our neighbor. They're guiding, they correct us, they train us. And so we learn. So many things we can learn, our doctrine, learn about God, learn about ourselves. So many things to learn. But as we learn, the scriptures are written for our learning. We learn about Jesus and see how faithful he is. This is a process that takes a little bit of time. Sometimes he says patience. It takes patience. But then we receive comfort. It is true that the Bible has so much for us to learn, so much for us to digest, It is impossible to mine the riches of the depths of Scripture. But it is also true that at the center of the Scriptures, no matter what we are learning, whether it's about some doctrine or about God or about ourselves or about the history and God working in history, that the center of those Scriptures always comes back, as we said earlier, to Jesus, The center of those scriptures is the good news about Jesus. The center of those scriptures is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save you, to rescue you from the wrath that you should have because of your sin. That his death and his resurrection atone for the wrath of God against your sin. And when you have faith in that blood shed on that cross, you have Eternal life. That's the message of the scriptures. The whole Old Testament is leading up to that. The Gospels are an eyewitness account to that. And the rest of the New Testament, the epistles, are sermons all about that. That's the central message of scripture. And we would be remiss if we missed that message any time that we read the scriptures. And that's also the source of our comfort. We have comfort whenever we learn the scriptures and we're pointed back to that message because that is where Jesus deals with the problem. We have comfort in the midst of sicknesses and illnesses, in the midst of sorrows, in the midst of fear, in the midst of terror, in the midst of anxieties, in the midst of hardships and sufferings and doubts, and stress, and injustice, and anger. Even in the midst of death, you can have comfort. Because that is where Jesus, and that message of the gospel, that good news of Jesus on the cross, that is where he deals with the problem that causes each and every one of those things. No matter what the suffering or hardship or sadness or terror is, the root cause is sin. That's the root cause of every single problem. And so if you want comfort, you go to where Jesus forgave sins. On the cross, in his death and resurrection. And so, as we read the scriptures, Paul describes this process, they're written for our learning, that as we patiently learn, we are then comforted by this message that ultimately we might have hope. I want to remind you of what we told the kids earlier. Think about the way you use the word hope. Because what we're saying here might be a little different. If you just are hoping that Ole Miss has a good basketball season or hoping that you get a good parking spot if you have to go onto campus for something. That's not exactly what we're saying. I mean, those are fine things to hope for in the sense of the word that way. But Christian hope is different. Let's go back to what I was saying about why the scriptures are trustworthy to begin with anyway. Christian hope is a hope that is certain because Jesus is faithful. He said he would come and die for your sins and then he came and he died for your sins. He said he would baptize you and he baptizes you. He says he will feed you and he feeds you. And so when he says, as you learn the scriptures and as you are comforted by the gospel, that that will result in a hope of everlasting life, that is certain and that is sure. You can hang your hat on it. This is what Advent is all about. Jesus is coming back again and you will, if you have faith in him and in the message of that gospel, be saved. You will live with him forever. It is a hope, Paul says, that cannot, will not ever put us to shame. And so this is what we receive as we read the scriptures, as we hear the scriptures, learning, comfort, and hope. But I want to end on this. The process doesn't really end there for Paul. He keeps writing here in Romans 15. He says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and with one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we have that certain hope, when we have the gospel in our hearts, it drives us to love one another and also ultimately to glorify God. Reading the scriptures isn't just about you and what happens to you when you do that. That is good. But hearing, reading, marking, learning, and inwardly digesting the scriptures It ultimately leads to you glorifying God. And so let us glorify God today and every day. Let us hear, let us read, let us mark, let us inwardly digest His Word. For He has given it for your learning, He has given it for your comfort in all things, and He has given it that you might have hope in Him. The blessed hope of everlasting life with Jesus, to Him be all the honor and power now and forever. Amen. We stand for the offertory.